Oh, man. We got we to gotta pray longer. I'm still, like, not crying, for sure not crying. But uh, I love that song. I love that song, standing redeemed out of, out of what God did for us. Uh, good morning again. I guess I should start there. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name's Seth. I am blessed and honored to get to serve our youth as our youth pastor. That's my, my full-time job. It's what I do here at East Point. Uh, and I'm pumped. I am excited for this morning. It's going to be great. We are in, in case you had not heard, we are in the, uh, our Joy series, our Joy Matter series, as we work our way through the book of Philippians. And if you guys haven't read the book of Philippians, I, I would highly recommend it. And it's a great book if you really want to, like, you're kind of a commitment phobe, but you want to be able to say you recently read a book of the Bible. It's legitimately, like, four pages long. And you're just like, oh I'm, oh, I'm done. All right. So I would say invest. Be like, I read a book of the Bible this week, this whole week. It was great. Check it out. It's Philippians. It's short. You'll love it. Uh, it's got some outstanding stuff. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for forever, if your whole life, or if you're still checking it out. You might not even think God is real or exists. There's some good stuff in there, so highly recommend it. Uh, and if you didn't know, if you didn't know the background on Philippians, what it actually is, it's a letter. It was written by Paul to the church in Philippi, hence the title, Philippians. Uh, Paul wrote it while he was in jail, so that's a special treat. That's always a reminder. You're like, yeah, that's so good. And then you're like, oh, you were in jail. It's like, oh, that sucks. Like, there's a, it's, it's fun to read with like that in the back of your mind. So he wrote it from prison. Uh, and today we're going to be in Philippians 2. It's 19 to 30. So if you have a paper Bible, if you have a, a real Bible or a Bible app, that's what we'll be. Philippians 2, 19 to 30. Before we jump in though, uh, if we have not met, if we haven't interacted much, I'm about interaction. I'm about like participation. I was talked at for most of my life, right? We call that school. And uh, I'm not like a huge fan. It wasn't my forte of everything I did in my life. So I, I assume that not everybody appreciates being talked at. So I would ask if you guys are in, if you will accept this, will you participate like with me? Are you guys in today? Will you engage? All right, all right. I love it. I love it. Well, then we're going to start by doing something fun, by doing something that's going to be good. So here's, we're going to shift to the forward edge of your seat. Don't go off your seat. Just scoot your butt. Just scoot your butt like a little bit. Just get right to that front edge. Okay. Okay. Now, both feet should be firmly like on the floor, squared up. Now, you're not flexing. You don't have to fight anybody, but just have your feet there. And then take your hands if you're holding like some coffee, that sweet nectar of morning goodness. Uh, just set it down because you're going to want both hands like this. Just palms up, palms up. Just rest them on your legs. So it's just gentle. You're relaxed. You're feeling good. Now, take your back and just straighten it up like the best posture you can imagine. Like your mom would never yell at you for having this posture, right? Like you're getting ready to dance. Like, all right, so you got, not that I dance, but I feel like that's how I would dance. Um, so with your best posture, I don't know. Uh, and then, and then possibly the most important part, let me see your biggest, cheesiest, most ridiculous game show host smile. Just, just ear to ear. ear, ear and then just hold that. And then you're going to repeat some things back to me. Say, Seth, Seth, Seth. say, I don't want to be here this morning. Say, I'm tired. I want to go back to bed. <laughs> and keeps on, keeps on. Like, just kidding. <laughs> this is going to be the best day of my life. That was good. Give yourselves a hand. Well done. Well done. That was, I'm impressed. So as you relax and recover your coffee, look around. Just look at some of the faces right now. Other than like four people and like I see you. But other than you four, pretty much everybody is smiling. Why is that? We just said some fairly negative things. Things that I, th I think probably for a lot of us might be truer, truer than we wanted to admit. Like, haha, but really I could go back to bed right now. But I can't say that in church, right? Because it's church and it's very holy. So you can't say that. But, but really, I'd rather be asleep. But we're all still smiling. We're still, we're still laughing. Like, why is that? Well, I think because when it comes to joy, joy is more about uh, how we posture ourselves as an expression than this feeling that we hope for. Like, gosh, I hope I feel joyful today. It's not like that. Joy is a choice. 
that we get to make in spite of our circumstances, in the midst of what's going on. We get to choose that. And that's good. That's good news. That's a, that's a celebratory thing because there's a lot of this world that we don't get to control, right? Like things happen and go on around us. The fire's holy buckets, right? I keep seeing Facebook posts and I'm like, I could come and help you because you want to help your friends, but you know that there's, what are you going to do? Like throw a flip-flop at it? Like, I'm here to save you with my flip-flop. You're like, what are you doing, right? But you want to be helpful. And so we get to choose joy in spite of the things we can't control. And that's good. That's good because we don't get to control the world. So here's what we're going to do. You guys can take that, uh, that little joy experiment home. Use that. That is free of charge. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the joy of mentoring, the joy of mentoring. And don't tune out if you're like, yeah, I hate people. I'm not about this message. Don't tune out. I promise there's, there's good things in here for you anyway. So we'll jump in. Like I said, Philippians 2, it's 19 to 30. I'm going to read it from a real Bible. I'm excited about this. This has been a thing I'm trying to do because I, I always like to believe that the Bible doesn't just exist on the internet, right? I'm like, no, it's real. I have one. It's great. Um, so if you have it, follow along. If not, uh, just listen and it'll be exciting. So again, Paul, Paul writing to the church. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news back about you, back about the church. I have no one else like him. There's no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, you church know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He said, I hope, therefore, to send him to you as soon as I th see how things go with me. Again, he's probably talking about his prison, his trial. It's not like, as soon as I see how things go with me, like if I get over this cold, he's like, no, no, no. As soon as I find out how prison is going, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. That's just a fun name to say. Say Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Oh, come. Say Epaphroditus. And you know, if that was your name, if my parents named me that, I would say that all of the time. And that is how you have to say that. You can't be like, oh, my name's Epaphroditus, right? You'd be walking around like Epaphroditus. I love that name. That's good. He said, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So the church had sent this guy, Epaphroditus, to go help Paul out while he was in prison, probably to bring him supplies and communication, things like that. Paul says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. So Paul writes about, he's writing to the church and he writes about two different people. He writes about Epaphroditus and Timothy. Timothy, way less fun to say, but that's who we're actually gonna focus on today. And he talks specifically about Timothy in two verses there. In 20, he initially addresses him and he says, I have no one else like him. No one else like Timothy, why not? Who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. So there's nobody else in my world like that. Then he goes on in 22. He says, but you know that Timothy has proven himself, right? Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, this is a big deal because back in the day, it wasn't like, I'm gonna go to college and then maybe travel Europe with my backpack and find myself, right? Like people didn't do that. They said, you're gonna grow up and you're gonna do what dad does and you're gonna do it until dad gets old and decrepit and broken down or dies. And then you're gonna take over. Like that was kind of how generational, how jobs worked, how jobs went. So when Paul talks about Timothy and says, he served as a son with his father, Paul is saying, he, he is my man. He's not somebody that we hung out like once a week and had coffee. You know, he said, this is a guy who walked with me, who lived with me, who ate with me, who traveled, you know, much of the, the world at that time with me. Um, so this, this beautiful father-son intimate invested relationship, it's a lot bigger than just, just hanging out. So, and I know this isn't everybody's favorite question, but just bear with me. Where are all my, my 50 and ups today? Would you guys be courageous enough to raise your hand? I know some of you guys glare like, don't ask 
missed that. Yeah, okay, okay. Can, can I just, it sounds a little weird, but can I apologize to you guys? As, as younger generations, we have honestly done a, an embarrassingly bad job of seeking out your counsel of giving you the respect and the honor that you deserve as our elders. We really have, we have done a poor job of doing that. And you guys deserve it, you do, you are our elders and we should be actively seeking your vision and your input and your influence and your teaching and we don't. So I am sorry, would you forgive us as, as younger generations? Will you guys agree to do that um, going forward? I would, that would be a big deal. Go like this if you will agree to do that. Some people are like, nope, the millennials, I will never do that. Thank you, yes. You're allowed to be excited at church. It's okay, I promise. It's good. Now, where's, where's my, my, my under 35s or 35 and under? You can round. Yeah, yeah. Some people are like, for sure, me. I'm like, mm. But yeah, under 35s, I would, I would ask this. I would actually, I would like to apologize to you as well to our younger generations, from older generations, because we have, have generally fed into this belief, into the, these stereotypes and these statements of, oh, those spoiled millennials, you know, in my day, we had to work for jobs and these people don't even, you know, and these kids and they're lazy. And, and it's A, statistically, that's not true. It's bad science to even say that, but, but B, where are we as older generations seeking out our, our young humans saying, how can I serve you? Because that's a call on our lives too. We don't just get to say respect us and walk away, right? Like it goes both ways. So I would like to apologize to the under 35s from, from the older generations for believing these stereotypes and promoting them. And I think, I think it's natural, right? We do this as, as older generations. We look at the next step or two steps behind us and we're like, huh, these kids, what do you think your parents said about you? Like that Elvis Presley music, sinners, right? Like they, we do this generationally. We believe that younger generations are somehow further from Jesus or somehow bigger sinners or somehow worse than us. And then the younger generation look at the older generations with disrespect and contempt and it's terrible both are unfair and both are sinful to be perfectly honest so I was can we agree like just as a community at least in this community that, that we have a responsibility to the generations ahead of us and the generations behind us can we agree I see some heads oh, there you go again be yes that's good that's good because the biblical truth when it, when it comes to this responsibility is that we all have it. And we also have the privilege of being mentored and, and having mentees, right? Like people behind us. The church word for this, if you're, if you're a church human, it's called discipleship. You've probably heard of that, right? And I know some of you guys might be still checking things out and you're like, ah, oh, that weird church stuff. They can talk about sanctification and things. Like you know, it's, it's, you've heard it in business or in other places as mentoring, but discipleship also works to, to describe that process. And I think generally, uh, what's fun about the process is that God uses the influence and instruction of the people around us in our circles, in our worlds to mold and shape us. And I know, you know, God is of course big enough to just do it himself. He could just be like, Seth, be mature, bam. And suddenly I'd probably wear pants in the winter, but he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, I'm praying that doesn't happen. That would be terrible, my poor legs. But he uses the humans. He uses the, the mentors, the people that speak wisdom into my life, whether it's like my dad or my older brother or, or Kurt or whoever my mentors are. And then he uses my, my, the people my same age, my peers, right? Whether it's my beautiful bride or my friends. And then he uses the youth. He uses the younger humans to bring that are coming up and along. He uses them to mold and shape me. And I know because I know some of you pretty well. I know that some of you just threw up in your mouth a little bit when it was like, God's gonna use everyone in your world to help mold and shape. And you're like, nope, nope, not, not my boss. I don't know if you've met him because absolutely not. But, 
but it is, it's real. God uses everyone in our worlds around us, but we get to choose the intentionality of the people, right? Because everyone will help mold and shape us, but you don't have to accept all of the input from some terrible people. And we do live in a broken world, right? The world is broken, that's why it's called earth and not heaven. And there's broken people on it, so they are gonna screw up and make mistakes, but that in no way, shape or form alleviates this biblical responsibility. Looking through your Bible and just being like, God, I see what you're doing. I know you got a plan, but people suck. So I'm gonna take a hard pass on this one. Like, that's not a real thing. When you read your Bible, nowhere in the Bible is it like, oh, 10 commandments, except when people suck. And then you're fine. You know, they're driving slow in the left lane. You're fine. You can honk at them. It's not, that's not real. It's like the brokenness of the world never gets to be an excuse for our interactions, for what we choose to do. And I know, um, you know that every one of us, again, we should have this person, this mentor in our life, this, this Paul, if you will, who's, who's leading us towards Jesus. Because that's the other thing. We're not just following humans, right? A mentor should be like a, like a silhouette. Like we're always looking at Jesus, but we're looking through our mentors at Jesus. You should be able to see through that person and see where Christ is going and, and see God, right? So we should all have that Paul. And we should all have that Timothy, that person that we're bringing along. And I think generally most humans would agree like, yeah, I should probably have somebody smarter than me giving me input. Like, okay. And I should probably do something to help the up and coming generations. Like those are like generally fair statements, I think. But it brings the, the question of like, what is mentoring then? Or what is discipleship? Like, where do you wanna go? Because uh, we usually picture like Yoda, right? As like the mentor or the wise sage, just meditating on them and just, mm, just like dispensing these nuggets of wisdom. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, tweet that. That's right. Like, and, and, it's, and so we're like, well, that's not me. I, I don't dispense wise nuggets, right? Like I dispense nuggets, but that's not, they're a different, different not in my notes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Kurt says hi from Guatemala, by the way. That's, uh, we'll just fit that in. We'll fit that in. So, so what, is, what is mentoring? Yes, thank you. I made a poop joke. Thank you. Yes, that's our youth. That's great. Uh, great example. Lead by example, right? Towards Jesus. That's what he would do. Um, what is mentoring? What is discipleship? What is this idea? Well, one of the best descriptions or explanations that I have found as I, as I read and searched on it is it's the relational process of showing someone how to be something. So it's a relational process showing someone how to be something. And in this case, obviously, we would be talking about how to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. That's what you're mentoring. That's what you're showing them. And there's two huge things to note in that definition. First, that it is a process, right? It's not the microwave popcorn button where you hit the button, 38 seconds later, bing! finished products. And you're like, life is good, right? No, I can go watch Netflix now. Mentoring is this ongoing thing that doesn't, it's not a one and done. It's not like we met twice for coffee and I, I feel like she's really got it figured out now. You know, self-esteem is in there. Like that's not real. It's ongoing. It's lifelong even. And that's why we, we all need mentorship all of our lives, which is why when people engage in mentoring relationships, we always say put a time limit on it because otherwise you will be with that person for the rest of your life because they need it, right? So we always limit that. But Timothy, in the, in the Paul and Timothy example, he, he literally walked where Paul walked, right? He traveled with him, he listened to him, he hung out with him. It wasn't, oh, once a month we'll chat, you know, and see just how you're doing and what's going on. It's like, no, man, what is really going on in your life? So the second thing to note from that definition, it's the process, but it's the process of learning how to be something, okay? And I know that's kind of a weird, a weird thing, but the process of, of learning something, sorry, the process of knowing something is learning, right? That's what that process would be called. 
And the process of learning to do something, that would be training, right? You could be trained to do different things. But mentoring, it's, it's vastly different than either learning or training because the process of learning how to be something, honestly, is just kind of inherently messy because nobody's ever been it before. Um, and I know that's weird, it's a little bit, so let's do this. Has anybody ever been a dog before? Any dogs? Wow, okay, that's shocking. But let's say, let's say today, somebody just like Harry Potters you, right? They just take their little wand and they're like, Semper, tickle fights. Like, I don't know what they actually say. What do they say? Fidelicus, our youth know, and they're like, I'm not announcing that I know that. Whatever they say, they just zap you, you become a golden retriever, right? You're a dog, okay? So over time, you could probably learn how to walk on four legs because you're a dog now. That would be learning. And then you could probably get fetch figured out eventually. That would be training, right? You could be trained. I get the ball and then I bring it back. Then I go get the ball, quit throwing it. But you could be trained how to be a dog. Uh, but, but how do you actually be a dog? Like how is your dogness achieved, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. That's, 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 that's mentoring. And that sounds silly. It sounds like, okay, I don't know how to be my dogness. But, but we expect our young men to be excellent boyfriends and excellent fathers and husbands and difference makers, but they've never been any of those things before. And we expect our young women to be incredible leaders and women of great faith and wives and world changers, but they've never been any of those things before. But we just believe this for them. Like, you got it. Get in there. You know, attend high school. You'll probably be great. It's like, how are they actually learning how to be any of those things? They're learning and they're being trained, but they're not being mentored. They're not being taught. And what's beautiful is that in a community like this, we have people that have been all of those things. They've been boyfriends and spouses and significant others and hopefully not dogs, but like all of the things they have been. And you maybe, maybe the truth is that you have been those things and you have been just embarrassingly bad at them. You're like, oh man, the only thing I know is how to not be a boyfriend. Like I'm just an exceptionally terrible boyfriend. I have that nailed. Well, that's great. That's great. You know, you could teach people how to not be a boyfriend. Like that's a good thing. Even if it's just our failures, we have these things to pass on that we can teach and uh, they can learn from our mistakes. And what's, what's hard is that Sometimes we get wrapped up in, in the, okay, that's great for them. Like maybe they won't have to deal with same, some of the struggles that I dealt with, right? It's like, okay, good, good for you, youth. You didn't have to go through that hard thing. And, and maybe we look at it as a positive because you're like, you know, the whole idea of standing on the shoulders of giants, right? It's like we help propel the next generation, the people behind us to higher heights and, and further than we could ever go. And then the generation behind them stands on their shoulders. And, and that's how you continue to affect change in the world is by not staying stagnant, by continuing to push that forward. But I think when it comes to, to why actually be a mentor, one of the questions, and I think it's a fair question, is well, what about me, right? You know you're allowed to ask that? I feel like that, that, that question people say, and you're like, you can't, no, you just say do, just do. And it's like, that's not real. You don't wanna live there. You don't wanna stay in what about me, but, but it's a great question and a fair question to ask. And so there's this book, it's called uh, Mentor Like Jesus by Reggie Campbell. I would highly recommend it. It's super short, it's an easy read. Some of this stuff will come from there. Uh, so read that, yeah, Reggie Campbell, Mentor Like Jesus. But in there he says, he says, why mentor? He says, why do it? What about me? He says, well, more intentional time spent with fewer people means greater kingdom impact. More intentional time with a smaller group of humans means you have a greater kingdom kingdom impact, impact for Christ in the long run. Because we're in a room with a few hundred people like we are today, we're just hanging out, almost nobody, there's probably like two people, but almost nobody is gonna just stand up and start talking about their deepest fears, right? Or their, their, what they're concerned of, or even their greatest victories. They're like, I don't wanna say that. You know, the people here, and we get a little shy, but you break it down and you get in a room with 10 people, 
you get in a room with five people, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden these barriers start to drop, these walls come down and now we get real, right? We get, we get the down and dirty, we get kind of the nitty gritty stuff and, and we can celebrate our successes and we can pray through our struggles and our failures and people get authentic. People cut the, cut the crap and actually get real and honest about their life and their struggle. And that's where mentoring comes in because that's where life change comes in. And when life change happens, world change happens, right? The, the people that change the world do it because the Holy Spirit changes their lives. People don't change the world because they try really, really hard and they just wake up early and go get them. They have a real up and at attitude. People change the world because the Holy Spirit, God, the King of the universe changed them. That's where world change comes from and that's where mentoring comes in, right? But I think that's great and I think people are like, if you told somebody like, hey, if you did this thing, it would have greater impact for the kingdom of God. I think most people would be like, yeah, like, okay, go team. But I don't know that it honestly really, really motivates us. I mean, I think if we can be real, I don't know that you could say that, you know, at church, but if we're being totally honest, if somebody said, if you did this thing, it would have greater kingdom impact. I think for a lot of us, we'd be like, okay, will it take a lot of time? Or is it like just a one and done? Or like, what are we talking about? And I, again, I think that's fair. I think it is fair to ask these questions because if we don't, then, then we're doing it out of duty or we're doing it out of, out of because we have to or we're mad about it or something crazy. So here's, here's a quick, uh, quick four reasons to mentor, to be in a mentoring relationship, to lead and follow. Uh, first, yeah, my favorite, right? God tells us to, AKA the church answer. If you're ever at church and somebody's like, what's the answer to this? It should basically always just be like, Jesus. Like you almost don't have to read the question. You could just yell that out. So why, why mentor? What about me? Well, God tells me to, that, that's part of it. That's a great reason. Almost anywhere you look in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. You'll see these relationships modeled, right? In the Old Testament, uh, I had to look up some of the names, but Jethro mentors Moses, Eli mentors Samuel, Samuel mentors Saul and David, and it just goes on and on. And then in the New Testament, it's modeled over and over again, Paul and Timothy that we just talked about. And then, oh, that's right. Jesus himself, right? Modeled this with his disciples. He recruited 12 knuckleheads and was like, hey, I'm going to spend some time with you guys because you need the help. So walk with me and, and we'll grow this thing. And so uh, it's like, okay, so Jesus tells me to, it's in the Bible. Okay, I believe you, great. Uh, what else? Well, the world, the church, big C, and when we say church, big C, we just mean people everywhere that love Jesus. Like, I don't care what color the sign is out front or what are, people are like, well, do you believe that you're allowed to dance in church? Or can you do, like, dude, if, if people that love Jesus, you're part of the church, big C. It's like, let's get over ourselves, right? And, and, then, and then locally, our church, I would say East Point, so the world, big C church and our church, we need this relationship. We need these inputs going both directions. We have a generation, just as an example, we have a generation of, of fatherless young men in our country right now. It's happening. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that we can't ignore or pretend isn't real because it's happening. And we are creating this express lane of so-called men that are gonna grow up and don't know how to be husbands or fathers or world changers. And we're just watching it go by while we complain about how lazy they are. Like that's terrible. And our young women get continually bombarded with these messages about, about body shaming or about eating disorders or about sexual assault. And our world just drives this belief that beauty is what matters. Beauty is what matters most above all, you know, be beautiful. And truthfully, I believe with all of my heart that only godly older women can speak truth to those lies. I tell them all the time, I was like, you are beautiful. You are God's daughter, you're his highest, you're his precious. And they're like, cool, have you ever been a girl? I was like, no, is the answer in case anyone wasn't sure, no. But we need, we are desperate for this older. And, and when I say older, if you're 25, you're older than 24 years worth of other people, right? If you're 14, you're 
14 years, 13 years older. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're 95 or 25, you are elder, you are older, you have life experience, you could speak truth to people. And we are desperate for them to step up to these younger generations and call them to be leaders and speak truth into their lives. So Jesus tells us to, we desperately need it. See, leave a legacy. This is a big one. This is a big one that I think a lot of people don't want to admit until they're you know, almost on their deathbed. The truth is we want to leave legacies. When we die, no human looks back. It's like, man, again, it doesn't matter if you're 100 or 15 when you die. No one wants to look, look back at their life and say, I feel like it didn't matter if I was on this planet, right? Like nobody says that. That's not a thing that happens. Everyone looks back and wants to have had significance, wants it to have mattered. Even if it was one life or one conversation or one thing, we want our time here to matter. And rightfully so. It's God-given time. We should want it to matter. That's a good thing. But, but we have this, this idea that because mentoring can be, can be frustrating or we might not see the results immediately, that what we're doing doesn't matter. So it's like, I don't know if I want to mentor because I don't know that it's going to matter. Well, you know, a good example generally in the Bible when you're looking for things is Jesus. Right? You can go and be like, well, what did Jesus? Look at Jesus' guys. The guys he mentored, how did they do when he was on the planet? When Jesus was on earth, how did those disciples shake out? They were just on point, right? Like they changed it. No, they were generally terrible. Not entirely, but generally. They were confused. They didn't know what was going on. They ran, they denied him. They did all these things, but he still was able to leave a pretty solid legacy, right? Like roughly 2 billion some odd people reached in the last 2000 years. Like that's a pretty solid legacy for not seeing much life change while you're on this planet. So when it comes to leaving a legacy, you know, this is an important thing and it's a great way to do it. And in, in Mentor Like Jesus, in that book, Reggie Campbell cites this study where they interviewed 90-year-olds uh, and they asked them, what, what do you regret? What do you regret from your life? And what were things that you wish you had done differently? If you could have done things differently, what would have you done differently? Well, here's the top three things that they said they wish they had done more of specifically. They said, I wish I took more risk. I wish I reflected more. And I wish I focused on things that will live beyond me. None of us look back at our life and are like, yeah, what a waste. That's awesome. We all wanna be able to look back and say, yeah, something will live beyond me. I, this mattered, this investment mattered, not because I'm important, because the kingdom of God matters and I was able to further that. I was able to, to move that along, move that ahead. And mentoring, again, it's a beautiful way to do it. There's a, a great question that people get asked when they're trying to plan futures and, and plan what they're gonna be and where they're gonna go in their life. And it's, if your life was a dollar, how would you spend it? So if your life was a dollar, you can break it out, you know, any amount of change that you want to, nickels, dimes, like whatever you want to do. Uh, how would you spend it? How would you invest that? Because the, the American dream, our idea generally, what do we do? Well, you work hard, right? You get a job, maybe go to school, maybe not. You work hard, work hard, work hard. Save, you know, maybe have a 401k, buy some property, do the things. And then when you worked hard long enough and you've saved enough, you retire. And that's great. And then you retire and what do you do? You live the good life. You finally get to travel, right? You get to collect seashells, maybe play some softball. Like do, do whatever your retirement is, it's great, life is good. But is that it? Like, is that how we ride off into the sunset? I mean, honestly, if at, at the end of our lives, uh, John Piper says this, he says, come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life. Come to the end of that and have the last great thing that you did, the last highlight of your life before you give an account of your time on this planet to the God of the universe, your King, Jesus, your Savior, and have that be playing softball and collecting seashells. Is that what you wanna do? Is that the legacy? Is that what you wanna leave in your wake? Invest that dollar, invest your life in something that matters. Invest it in the, in the lives of the people around us. 
So yeah, I think it is worth it. Is it worth our time? Is it worth our resources? Is it worth our effort to invest in that next generation? Yeah, unequivocally and absolutely, there's no doubt that it is worth it. And last, probably, probably the, the easiest one is that it will grow and sharpen me. Why mentor? It will grow and sharpen you. It's good for me. It's good for you. Because here's, have you guys ever had like a little kid, like a four-year-old ask you unintentionally one of like the hardest questions ever? Like they have no idea what they're even saying. They're just like, but if God's so big, how's he, how's he get in here? If he's, all, if he's everywhere, he could be in here. And then how does he come out? Like every time they sneeze, they're upset because they lost a little Jesus. They're just like, no. And then you have to explain that. You're like, uh, well, uh, and you just try to come up with something until mom gets home. And you're like, ask your mother. That's a great, great question. You know, <laughs> you just hope that they believe you long enough. Mentoring is kind of like that because you have, you have this group of humans, whether it's two or five or 10 or whatever it is, that are constantly seeking your input on things, just your advice on things. And it could be like marriage. It could be fantasy football. My draft was amazing, but it could be... It could be whatever the things are, right? It could be about the Bible. It could be about, it's just about life things. It's about having this. And, and when people are coming to you and asking you things, I get some ridiculous questions sent to me. I had this one gal, her name is Joanita, and she is amazing. She just sent me the most ridiculous series of Facebook questions. She's like, well, this verse says to fear God. Well, if I'm fearing God, what does that mean? And I was like, ask your father, ask your father. He will know how to talk to you about it. Like when you have these humans who are constantly asking your input, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you sharp. It keeps you growing. It keeps us learning because it's easy to kind of get lazy when you don't have somebody driving that, right? So they will absolutely, it will grow and it will sharpen you. It will be a benefit to you. It will bless you when you mentor other humans. So that's the what, what is mentoring? It's this process, right? Learn how to be something. The why, there's a whole bunch of reasons, whole bunch of reasons why. But what about the how? What about the how? If you're convinced, if you're like, dude, I'm in, that's good. We should, people should do that. I, I support that. Like, do you just lobby creep between services? Look for like, well, there's a slightly older gentleman who looks wise. You're like, hey man, what's going on? You know, that's so weird. Don't ever do that. That's so weird. And it's even worse the other way. Like, you appear to be younger than me. Like, nope, 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 nope. Just walk away. That is not what we're trying to have happen in the lobby. That is a terrible idea. Right, so so what, is, what, is the, what is the how behind it? How do you actually make things work? Um, because one of the things that, that we do in a setting like this is we believe that there's this royal we. There's this magical group of humans that makes things happen. It's like, we should do this. You're like, yeah, we should. Get them, dad. You know, and you're just like, we just believe that other people fill these gaps. And the, the truth is that we are the people that fill the gaps. And not the royal we, but like, individually, we, me, I am the one that fill the gaps. You are the one who will fill the gaps. You are the one who will lead a youth and be led by somebody who's ahead of you on this path. It's us. God uses everyone, right? If you know the story of Paul at all, Paul wasn't like somebody who was growing up and everyone looked at him and was like, oh, he has ministry in his future, pray over him, right? He's hunting Christians. He's like, kill them all. That was Paul. Nobody looked at his life and was like, Yep, that guy. But God's crazy like that, right? He uses everybody. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich or if you're poor or if you have 10 kids or if you hate kids. Like it doesn't matter who you are, if you're busy, if you're not busy, it doesn't matter. God has these relationships built for you. So, so how do you actually do it without lobby creeping? How do you actually do it? Fill out your connection card. We give you a connection card every week. You know, you can write anything you want on there. We read them, so enjoy. But you can put whatever you want on there. You can say, I want a mentor. I would love for somebody to speak truth into my life. I encourage our young youth, our young humans to do this all. Seek out a mentor that's maybe mom and dad, but maybe not. Maybe it's another 
elder human. And again, that could be 25, that could be 30. It doesn't have to be like, there's not some range of like who can or can't be mentors. You can write on your connection card, I want a mentor. And you could also write on there, I want to be a mentor, right? Like I want somebody to pour into me and I also wanna pour into somebody else because we are desperate for it both ways both ways across the board. And I know that that, that could be a step because you're like, well, I don't know what he's, you know, I want a mentor and some guy just calls you like, hey, I'm calling to mentor you. And you're like, ah, I gotta go. Prank call, prank call, hang up. I'm like, sweetie, don't answer. You block the number, like whatever it is. So if that's a lot, if that's, a, that is a big step. I'll be real with you. That is a big step. And if you don't wanna do that, I would say get involved. Our security team is looking for volunteers. Our connection team needs volunteers. You notice our youth are basically all of our ushers. I mean, that's awesome. And I love our youth and I love that they serve, but. We have a couple other people here, right? Like how, how come we're not all doing this? Like if you want to get involved, if you want to mentor somehow or be in that mentor relationship, step out, step out in faith, serve somewhere, do something. Because God, when you step out in faith, what's cool, what's beautiful is that our King and creator meets us. When you take that baby step, when you're like, ah, this is on my heart, I need to do something and I don't know what it is. And I'm not writing my phone number down because I don't want Seth to call me and tell me I'm mentoring somebody that I hate. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Step out, take a baby step, do something. And you know what? If it sucks and if it's terrible and if it's not what God has for you, do something different. You know, you're allowed to quit things at church. Like they don't tell us that, right? Like, oh, I'm serving at church. You're like, you can never quit. You're on our Adventureland team forever. And you like have to pretend that like you died or something. Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm not here anymore. Like, that's insane. Like do something and then try something else. Cause when we step out, God meets us. He will put people in your orbit. He will put people in your path, in your world that are desperate for that mentorship and that can speak wisdom to us. God will do that. He is faithful. He is faithful and he will meet us. And again, I'll be real. We East Point, we don't have this figured out. We don't have some cool system where it's like, click here, swipe right, and you get a mentor. It's like, no, 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 dude, we're a mess. We're trying to figure it out because we're a bunch of humans, right? Trying to get life figured out. And Reggie Campbell says this in his book. He says, we can get dirty mentoring people. They bring real issues to the table. And those issues require mentors to get personal, to get transparent, and to get exposed. It's real life. It's not fake fairy tale, wear your Sunday best and everything's perfect in my world. It's real life together. So yeah, it's probably gonna get a little bit weird. I'll be honest, it probably will, but that's okay. We might pick up some bumps and bruises, but that's life. And the joy, the beautiful piece of this, right? It's the joy of mentoring because when we step out into what God has for us, the joy that God brings into our heart, into our lives as we watch these humans progress and grow, it's unlike anything else that you can experience, unlike anything else you can imagine. It's different than anything else we can even start to understand. So we are committed, we, the royal we, East Point we, we are committed to creating this culture that, that fosters this, where our generations seek each other out, our, where our young people seek out elders. And maybe they will just walk up to you in the lobby and be like, hey, I'm 15, will you tell me stuff? Like, I don't know, maybe they will do that. We encourage them to it, but we wanna it, it just foster this culture where our youth do that and where our older generations seek them out and say, you know what, I am willing to invest my time and my effort and my money and my energy into reaching you because you're worth it. Even if you're a knucklehead, kind of. Like, that's okay. Because at some point somebody looked at you and was like, you're kind of a knucklehead, but there's hope. I know because that's my life. I know Kurt has looked at me and been like, oh, Seth, we pray for you, right? Like, it's... <laughs> It's, it's real, the, the old box, my, when my family came here, I lived in North Dakota, I was in the Air Force, and they, um, before they painted it, they let people come in and write the names of people that they were praying for, that they wanted to get saved on the wall before they painted it. My name, I didn't know this, I didn't know this until I came here, but my name is written on that wall. 
And that doesn't, I don't just magically get saved because I just showed up one time. It's like people kept pouring into me. People kept investing in me. People said, you're better than this. There's more for you than this. People did that for me. I can tell you I would not be on staff at a church. I would be far from Jesus if it wasn't for people in my life that loved me enough to say, I will spend time with you, even if you're a knucklehead. I will love you. I will pray for you. I will pour into you. I can tell you personally that, that is, it is, it is life change. There's this Greek Proverb, it's beautiful. It says this. It says, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they will never sit in. A society, a world, a church, East Point grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they will never sit in. We might not see the results. A lot of my mentors don't live in Spokane anymore. People that, that met me, that hung out with me, that loved on me, that prayed for me, they don't live here. We might not even be in touch. But, but they, they can look back when they die, when they get to heaven, they can look back and see life change. We'll get to see at the end. We might not see it today. We might not even see it on this planet, but you will see the effect of just loving, just being humans with people. You will see the change that that has made. And the, the truth is the big piece where I wanna kind of land with this and, and we'll be done, but uh, is that we can't do it on our own. If you ever go to church and you hear a message that's just like, do more gooder, like rah, rah. It's like, Cool, thanks for wasting an hour of my life, right? Because if, if we can just work harder, if we can just do more, if we can just do better, if that's the answer, why do we need a savior? Why do we need a God? If I can do it by trying hard enough, gosh darn it, right? That's not truth. The truth is we desperately, desperately need the Holy Spirit to come in and to shape us and to mold us and to, to change us so that we can change the world, to change our hearts so that we can change the hearts of the younger generation, to change our hearts so we can look to the older generation and say, teach me, let me be teachable. We are desperate for that. So don't hear, go do better and do gooder. Hear that we need to fall on our knees and ask for more of the Holy Spirit and then see where God leads you. See where God leads you. See who God has already put maybe in your world today. Maybe you, you have friends, maybe you have you know, younger humans or older humans in your life that you could already connect with. And let it get a little bit weird. Don't be afraid of that. It'd be like, hey, teach me things, I'm Seth. You know, whatever it is, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. I love you guys, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, oh, Father God, we need you. We are absolutely desperate for your Holy Spirit. God, we, we want so badly to, to be world changers, to make this a place where, where hearts get changed, where lives get changed, and people go out into the world around them and, and change it for you, Father God, for your kingdom. But we can't do it by just working hard enough. God, we need you. We, we have no option but you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us today. You would, you would fill this place. You would fill our hearts, fill our lives. Soften our hearts, change our hearts. Let us see you. Let us see, open our eyes to the people that are in our worlds, to the men and the women that we can reach out to even today and say, can I mentor you? Will you mentor me? God, show us who, who's already in our world that we can love for you. And if there's, if there's anybody here, if there's anybody that, that doesn't, doesn't maybe know Jesus yet, and you're like, I don't, I don't understand all the things that discipleship seems weird, but man, you guys have a, a culture, a community, where your whole plan is to follow somebody as they follow Jesus, I'm in, I would love that, I want that. Then, then you just say this, you open your heart to God and you say, God, I'm yours. I give you my life, I've made mistakes. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me my mistakes and come in? I give you my life and I take yours. And this beautiful exchange, and the second you do that, God meets us. He is faithful, he has promised his faithfulness to us. When you open your heart to God, he shows up 
and he will change you. He will grow you into a man or a woman that is after his heart, that is a world-changing, world-changing person filled with the Holy Spirit. Father God, we love you. We thank you for all of this in your holy name. Amen, amen. Let's worship, I'll come back up and dismiss us. Yeah, we, we, the church, the world, East Point, we are desperate for this, this connection, these relationships, up and down, both ways, both ways. We need mentors, we need mentees, we need to be followers and we need to be leaders. And don't ever, don't ever for one second eliminate yourself from that pool of either end because that means you are telling God what he can and can't do with you. And don't ever do that. Don't ever believe that lie about yourself. Man, if you guys, if you, if you were uh, courageous enough to write anything on the connection card, whatever that might be, there's black boxes by all the doors. You can cram them in there. Uh, if, you, if you were like, dude, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna learn more. I wanna do the things. There's actually a white goodie bag by the doors you can grab. Uh, our prayer team will be up front. If you have we humans that are in Adventureland, please don't forget them. Please don't leave them there. We love them, but they are yours. You get to keep them. Uh, with that, man, God bless. God bless and just have a great week. Have a great week. Thank <laughs> you.